In the name of God, the earth maker, the pain bearer, and the life giver. Amen. I must alert you that you will hear something in my message today that does not come out of one of the readings, particularly the Old Testament reading today. The gospel lesson for today is part of a greater dialogue that Jesus was having with four of his disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. This dialogue revolved around the magnificence of the temple in Jerusalem, its future destruction, and the fall of Jerusalem. Jesus told them that the temple would be destroyed. They became concerned, as you and I would be, over an announcement of an impending event, particularly something to which we held dear. And they wanted to know what signs would point to this impending destruction. It is at this point that our lesson for today continues. Historians and theologians agree that the prophecy of the fall of the temple in Jerusalem and the destruction and the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and an explanation of the end times were both being, were all being discussed during this dialogue. It is in the context of this discussion of the end times that I want to focus our attention today. I particularly want to focus our attention on the concept of God's stewardship. It would be fair for you to say to me, preacher, it is a real stretch to draw a stewardship message from the gospel lesson. Yes, it is a stretch to infer that from the gospel lesson for today, but Jesus was on solid ground when he told his disciples about the impending destruction of the temple. He was reaching back to the Old Testament prophecy of Daniel. In the lesson from the 12th chapter of Daniel, it states, At that time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There will be a time of anguish, such as never occurred since nations first came into existence. Although Daniel doesn't say just what would cause the anguish in the people, but he does say that the anguish would be greater than anything that had been experienced before. Just reflect back on what it felt like this summer when we were experiencing the massive fires in our area here in California and also 
Washington State. There was a great deal of anguish over the property that was being destroyed and lives that were lost due to the fire. Rightly so. The destruction of the temple in Jerusalem would and was an event that caused great anguish within the faith community therein. But what has all of this to do with stewardship? We sometimes get hung up on the meaning of stewardship. A few Sundays back, two Sundays back, the vestry members presented some information about stewardship in this community. Most of us have been conditioned to believe that the only definition of stewardship is giving money to the churches or faith communities of our choice. The people of faith during Jesus' time would have seen their stewardship of the temple as an important task. Its destruction would have meant that they did not provide proper stewardship of it. True, that was true. After all, the temple had been destroyed before. Well, although that had happened previously, some of the things that were going to take place was just something beyond their imagination. But we see that Jesus was alerting his disciples that what had been thought of by them and by us as existing forever, in spite of the fact of our limited stewardship, would be destroyed. It was not because God just wanted to punish us, but because something new was present and would take its place. I'm here to assert to you today that that something new is the life, teachings, and love of Jesus Christ. God would and could not be contained in one building or place in spite of our efforts. Jesus Christ was this something new. You heard me say at the opening of this message that God is the earth maker the pain bearer, and the life giver. That is new and good news. And that takes place in the context of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus further alerts his followers and us that many will come proclaiming that they are coming in his name. Tells them to be aware. We too are alerted to be aware. 
How often are we led astray by things that distract us from keeping our eyes on the presence of Christ in this world? Sometimes distractions come in ways that we respond to things in our everyday lives. Do we spend too much time on our electronic instruments? And I have to confess, I'm using one today. Do we forsake our commitment to our family because we are too busy working? Do we forsake our daily prayers because we are too busy doing instead of being? There are times I find myself in that category. My wife makes lists, I just want you to know. And sometimes she goes down the list and say, today we're supposed to do this, this, and this, when I want to sit quietly and be. Where do we put God in our lives? Is being involved in the church community sometimes an afterthought? Do we forsake our duty as good stewards of our time, energy, and resources that God has given us? I don't know about you, but some of my distractions, as some of you know, is golf. And during football season, football. You have to ask yourself, what are your distractions? Jesus calls us to be alert to the distractions that keep our eyes, but we need to keep our eyes open for the signs that lead to destruction. Staying too focused on those distractions will lead us away from our relationship with God. Jesus names some. He says, when you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be alone. This must take place, but the end is still to come. I cannot tell you how many people are fearful of the end of times because of the many wars that are taking place around the world today. Some, as my heart is heavy today, for the people that were killed in France over this weekend. My prayers go out to them, their families, and the perpetrators of the, of the violence. Jesus further tells us, for nations will rise against nations, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. Every time that a major fire or an earthquake occurs in California, my aunt by marriage calls to see if we are all right. I really do appreciate her concern. But I always have to tell her 
those events are not occurring near us. She just doesn't know that California is a very large state and not everything happens in Los Angeles. Our world is also large, but it's not as large as God's mercy. I'm reminded of a story that was on the internet back in the last century, in the late 1990s, in case you don't know what century I'm talking about. That was the 20th century. The story was about a cat. A cat. Now, Ann and I have two cats, and she's already claims that the cats belong to me. Bottom line is, I get up and feed them. <laughs> but the na- this, this cat's name was Ugly. Ugly. Ugly was a mean cat that ran in the neighborhood. He would always get into fights and into people's trash. In general, he was a real pain. He really was an ugly cat. He had one eye that had been cut but healed over, closing that eye. His hair was always dirty and matted. He walked with a limp because there was a big gash in one of his legs. One can only guess that he got it in a fight with another animal. His one good eye always appeared to be menacing. No one wanted him around. Kids would throw rocks at him whenever he got near them. Neighbors would turn their water hoses on them. Everyone in the community was really afraid of him. One day, Ugly came around, but this time, Ugly appeared to be different. He still had one bad eye and one good eye that was quite menacing. His coat was still dirty and matted. He still had the gash in one of his legs, but he was different. He seemed to have been in another fight, and this time, Ugly had lost. A brave neighbor saw him, went out, and picked him up. Now, this was something that had never happened before. You see, Ugly would never let anyone get close to him. As a neighbor picked him up, Ugly actually curled up in her arms, purred. And at that moment, Ugly knew that he was loved. And this love was an unexpected love 
by that neighbor. And after being loved, ugly walked over into the night's world. With all the anguish that Daniel tells in his prophecy, he also says, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found in the book, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Like ugly, we too can find warm and loving arms in the one who created the world, who bears our pain, and who gives us life. God does give us unexpected love. When the anguish becomes unbearable for us, God steps in and delivers us from that burden with open arms and a warm embrace. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, we've seen where hard times and judgments were tempered by God's compassion and love. I believe that we are called to imitate that love and compassion in our lives. And we are called to act as God's agents in being good stewards of all that God has given us. This morning, I invite you and all of us to open our arms and hearts to give and receive God's unexpected love. Pray with me, please. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for being the steward of our lives. Show us how to be stewards of the gifts that you've given us. And let us welcome you as ugly did his neighbor. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ.